Welcome back to the show, everybody. Got a great episode for you today. Going to be starting off with movie news like I usually do. After that, I will be reviewing The Defenders, which is a Marvel Netflix series that recently got put onto Disney+. Plus. If you don't know, I've been going through all these Marvel Netflix shows that recently got swapped over. And uh, yeah, I've been re reviewing them week to week, or episode to episode, rather. So I usually post like two episodes a week. But yeah, I'm pretty far into it now. Got Punisher Season 1 up next. Excited to get into that one. But in terms of my other reviews, I will be reviewing Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. A little late to this review, but I've had a lot to do, so uh had to hold off on watching it. But very excited to talk about that, nevertheless. And then for the final review, I will be reviewing Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Which may or may not be the last Fantastic Beast slash Harry Potter movie we'll get. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, got some great reviews today. But before I get into anything, I would like to thank today's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Audible, which if you don't know, has a great selection of audiobooks, originals, and podcasts. And right now, if you go to www.audibletrial.com slash popculturepodcast, you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible Plus, which lets you listen to a selection of audiobooks, originals, sleep tracks, meditation programs, and podcasts. Or you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible Premium Plus, which gives you all of that from Audible Plus, as well as one free title per month from an extended selection of bestsellers and new releases. And you own those, so that's awesome. So uh, yeah, if you want to go get that 30-day free trial of Audible, that website is www.audibletrial.com slash popculturepodcast. Now on with the show. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. First piece of news here comes from comicbook.com and their headline is Club Penguin Rewritten Shut Down by Police. They go on to say here a fan remake of Club Penguin known as Club Penguin Rewritten has been taken down by Disney and the police. After Club Penguin was shut down in 2018, a group of fans sought to capture the magic of the game and remake it so it could live on. The online game was an incredibly, an incredibly popular title from Disney that allowed players to experience a social hub with players. You could play games, customize your penguin, and much more. It was heavily promoted on Disney Channel and found success in the mid-2000s. But over time, it lost its steam as its original target audience grew up and um, yeah, and other free-to-play online games became more enticing. Club Penguin Rewritten has existed in various forms over the last four years, but it has all come to a likely certain end. The London police have claimed the website for the game on behalf of Disney for copyright reasons, replacing any of its functionality with a giant black screen that notes the site has been taken over by Operation Creative Police Intellectual Property Crime Unit. Uh, in a statement to Club Penguin Mountains, the London police noted it had arrested three people for suspicion of disturbing materials infringing copyright but they were released 
to aid the investigation. The suspect signed over the website, to, uh, likely to the authorities, and uh, likely suggesting that Club Penguin Rewritten has met a brutal end. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little disappointed by this. I'm not going to lie. Like, not even like two weeks ago, I was playing Club Penguin Rewritten. As a kid, Club Penguin was one of my favorite games, one of my f things to do. Uh, was, you know, go on to the computer and play Club Penguin. That and Webkins. I was obsessed with both of them. The only difference is Webkins is still around, but it's very different from its original form, I guess you could say. But Club Penguin has been down, like they said, uh, since 2018, which honestly, it feels like it's been so much longer. Uh, I still remember the last day it was around. Like, I don't know if I was playing on the last day, but the servers were completely full. Like, I know everything that happened just because I've, like, watched YouTube videos on it. But the servers were completely full, and everybody was on the iceberg trying to tip it, and it actually tipped, and they got some, <clears throat> think they got some special item. And I, I watched a video of... Well, I've watched multiple videos of people just in the server when it went down, and uh, it's just so heartbreaking. It was one of my favorite things to do as a kid was play Club Penguin. It, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, I'm very sorry that you never got the chance to see it because, god damn, it is... I mean, two of my favorite things in the game, Puffles, which are these little poof balls that you can get in different colors and they have little different personalities. They are so cute, but also they can run away from you if you leave them at home for too long. Um, and they'll send you a postcard just being like, peace out. But... um. Another thing I really loved was card jitsu, which is essentially like, you know, jujitsu or karate, uh, but you use cards. It's kind of like the game War that you play with cards. Um, I kind of forgot the rules of War because I haven't played with cards in years, but yeah, essentially like the person with the higher number, you know, wins, um, but doesn't win the whole game, just wins that round. And there's three different elements. There's fire, water, and snow, and... You know, if you if you know how uh, science works, then fire melts snow, snow freezes water, and water melts fire, or not melts fire, but puts out fire. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically you gotta try to predict what your opponent is going to pick, and uh, if you pick the same card or like the same element, you gotta hope that you have a higher number. I think it goes up to like thirteen. And um, the first person to get three cards, well, the rules are a little hazy because, I don't know, it's a little confusing the way it works sometimes because you're like, oh, I just won, but then it keeps going. And I wonder if that's just like a an issue with the server or something like that or the code, but um, that's how it worked in Club Penguin Rewritten at least. I don't remember if the original was like that, but I think it might have been. I used to get really pissed at the game, but I still really love to play it. And uh, you can go all the way from a white belt all the way up to a black belt. And um, that was pretty much the last thing I did in Club Penguin Rewritten before I found out about this news. Like I said, it's been like a couple weeks since I've played it. Got other things to do, but I'm still very sad about it. They, at least with Club Penguin Rewritten, before they got shut down, they brought back the Puffles and they brought back Card Jitsu. Two of my favorite things from the game. Um, but aside from that, like, let me reminisce a little bit about what Club Penguin used to be, for those of you who aren't familiar with it. Um, 
essentially, I, I believe it was owned by Disney the, uh, in its entirety, um, the entire time it was around, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it was just some internet thing that was around uh, that got bought up by Disney. I think it started off as like, well, I could be wrong. I don't know the whole story. I, I guess I'll have to look it up. Um, but I did watch a video on it at one point. And I don't remember that, but maybe that is part of its history. But I saw the way it started off. It was literally just penguins and like, um, you know, I think they were all just kind of crappy three-dimensional penguins that you could just talk to. And that was it. But it evolved to something so crazy. Like if you look up Club Penguin Disney collaboration uh, and you go to images, there's so many different collaborations and like different IPs that... Disney infused into Club Penguin that was really like an event like whenever things like this happened it felt like an event it, you know you had the Shake It Up which is was a very popular um Disney TV show Disney Channel show uh with Zendaya and Bella Thorne uh then there was a Marvel superhero takeover where you had like the Avengers and Loki and a lot of other characters there there was a Frozen Fever, uh, obviously Frozen, uh, then Teen Beach Movie, which is a Marvel, or not, did I just say Teen Beach Movie was a Marvel movie? Oh my god. Uh, no, Teen Beach Movie is definitely not a Marvel movie, it is a Disney Channel original film. Uh, yeah, which I will not be watching and reviewing for the podcast, because I have outgrown those movies, for the most part. Lemonade Mouse still still holds a special place in my heart. And Halloween Town. Hell yeah. Uh, but there was also like a Star Wars takeover. Um, I think at one point there might have been something Phineas and Ferb related. I feel like I'm remembering that. But I could be wrong. But yeah. Club Penguin was the ship, man. And uh, if you don't know anything about it. And you want to learn more about it. Just look up some YouTube videos. You know, Club Penguin, just see what's out there. There's a lot of content on it, but Club Penguin was awesome. And to those of you out there who are too young to have played it or remembered it, I'm sorry that you couldn't have grown up with it because it was so much fun. And there's so many great memories that I have playing that game. And I'm getting a little choked up right now. I won't lie. But yeah, I mean, I understand why the people that made Club Penguin rewritten or arrested and probably going to be sued and, you know, God knows what. But at the same time, they were just trying to bring back the magic. I feel what they were trying to do, man. And uh, in this article that I'm reading from comicbook.com, they're like, maybe this will show Disney that fans want it back and they will bring it back. But at the same time, also in the article, they're like, but there's a lot of different things out there. Like Fortnite, really, you think p kids are going to play Club Penguin over Fortnite nowadays? Like, no. You play Club Penguin on a fucking computer. I mean, sure, a lot of kids use PCs and shit like that. But for the most part, it's like Xboxes and Playstations. Most most kids don't have, like, their own PC. And uh, if they do, they don't want to fucking play Club Penguin. They're like, where's the blood and violence? No, Club Penguin is wholesome for the most part. Um, you know, there's there can be some uh some questionable things in there. 
Sometimes. Barely. Just barely, man. And it, it doesn't have anything to do with the content. It's just the people that play it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, that's all I have to say about Club Penguin. But yeah, if you want to learn more about it, just look up some YouTube videos. Search it up on Google. There's, there's lots of stuff. But let's get on to the next piece of news. Another piece of news here from comicbook.com their headline being the flash jesse l martin departs as series regular after eight seasons they go on to say here jesse l martin who plays detective joe west on the flash will leave the show as a series regular at the end of the season uh, this season <clears throat> with the end of the flash likely coming in the next couple of years martin has signed on uh to head up the nbc pilot the irrational According to Deadline, who broke the news, Martin's 2022 to 2023 season filming schedule will allow him to appear in as many as five episodes of The Flash. Martin previously took a leave of absence from the series for health reasons in 2018, returning in 2019. Given the importance of Joe West's wife Cecile to The Flash, it seems unlikely the West, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this word, pa oh, patriarch. Uh, will relocate completely as that would require Danielle Nicolette to appear less too. The CW recently picked up the Flash for a ninth season despite widespread rumors that star Grant Gustin was ready to move on. It is not clear yet whether the ninth season will be the show's last. Uh, it goes on to say here, Martin is only, or Martin is one of only four remaining original cast members on The Flash, along with Gustin, Candace Patton, and Danielle Panabaker. I didn't know Cisco wasn't on that anymore. Wow. All four had contracts that expired at the end of season eight, which is currently ongoing. Uh, Gustin has already signed on for a ninth season, with Patton and Panabaker expected to return. Uh, Deadline says that Martin had not been approached to return. Uh, let me see here. The pilot for The Irrational will be shot in late uh, May, early June in Vancouver, where The Flash also films. And if it gets picked up, it'll likely be a mid-season show for NBC. As it will not be finished, excuse me, in time. Oh my gosh. Hiccups. <laughs> for uh, May upfronts. In addition to being the father of Iris West and Wally West, Joe was the legal garden. Uh, guardian of Barry Allen as a child when his mother was murdered by the reverse flash and his father framed spoiler alert, but still that started like a long time ago. Really not that long ago. <laughs> um, the character has long served as the unofficial police liaison. Hopefully I'm saying that right to team flash, a role that has uh, been subtly handed off to captain Kramer, Carmen Moore, who learned Barry's true identity in a recent episode also, spoiler alert, geez. Um, honestly, I, I'm i watching these Marvel shows right now. The uh, Marvel Netflix shows. I'm on The Punisher. I think I'm only like three episodes in. And uh, it's taken me a while to get through it. I can't see myself going back to watch all the Arrowverse shows. It's just too much to start back over with. And I don't remember where I left off. I haven't watched these shows for years. So maybe if one day, you know, this podcast can become my job and I make money off of it and people really want me to talk about it, then maybe that day I will do it. But as for now and as for the foreseeable future, I'm just like, yeah, 
I don't feel like it. And uh, can you really blame me? I, I heard that the Flash, you know, season to season has been going down in terms of quality. So I'm probably not going to start watching it again just because I'm such a completionist where I need to watch every show. I need to watch all of them. And, uh, you know, the only exception is for Superman and Lois because that's pretty much its own separate thing. If there's a crossover at some point, I'm just like, cool, whatever. Doesn't mean I'm watching their show. <laughs> Too much for me to watch, okay? All right, thank you. Uh, so yeah, that's my piece of news on The Flash. Now let's get to the next piece of news. Next piece of news here comes from Variety and their headline is Ted series at Peacock from Seth MacFarlane sets main cast and adds co-showrunners. They go on to say here, Seth MacFarlane's Ted series adaptation at Peacock is taking shape. Variety has learned the live-action comedy has added three new cast members as well as co-showrunners. Firstly, MacFarlane is officially on board to reprise his voice role of Ted, the foul-mouthed pot-smoking teddy bear he played in the two Ted movies. This, in addition to creating the series and serving as executive producer, director, and co-showrunner. Georgia Winningham, Max Burkholder, and frequent McFarlane collaborator Scott Grimes have also been added to the cast of the show. Furthermore, uh, Modern Family executive producers Paul Corrigan and Brad Walsh have joined the series to serve as co-showrunners, writers, and executive producers. The show was first ordered at Peacock back in June of 2021. And before I get to the synopsis here, I didn't even know the show was coming out, that they were working on it, that it was a thing. And I'm very excited about it because I really like both Ted movies. So very excited to see what they do with this. Here is the synopsis. Let me clear my throat real quick. <clears throat> In the series, it's 1993 and Ted the Bear's moment of fame has passed, leaving him with his best friend, 16-year-old John Bennett, who lives in a, a working-class Boston home with his friends and cousin. Ted may not be the best influence on John, but when it comes right down to it, Ted's willing to go out on a limb to help his friend and his family. Burke Holder from Parenthood, the kid here, will play the role of John Bennett. John is a good and likable teen who is, however, still in his awkward phase with Ted's help. Uh, John is doing his best to navigate adolescence. Yeah, so basically this is going to be like the origin story for Ted and John. Uh, although it kind of takes place after Ted comes to life and after he becomes famous and loses that fame. Um, then Wingham from The Punisher and 13 Reasons Why will appear as Blair Bennett. Blair is a smart and politically correct college student who's living with her uncle Maddie, Aunt Susan, and younger cousin John. She's not afraid to be outspoken, frequently clashes with her more traditionalist family. Grimes from Oppenheimer and The Orville will play Maddie Bennett. Maddie is a blustering blue-collar Bostonian who thinks... He is the unequivocal boss in the family and doesn't like anything or anyone challenging him, particularly his liberal-minded niece, Blair. Wingham is repped by Range Media Partners. Burkholder is repped by Paradigm and, Ste and Steve. Warren Grimes is repped by Industry Entertainment. Corrigan and Walsh are repped by UTA. I don't know why I read that part. I don't know what that means, and I don't care. But, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with this show. It it sounds really interesting. Um, I really like those first two Ted movies. So, uh, I like I said, I really didn't know this was, this was a thing until a few minutes ago. So, yeah, pretty cool. 
Uh, let me know down in the comments below. Are you excited for the show? Have you watched the TED movies? But, yeah, let's get on to uh, the next piece of news. An article from CBR.com. <clears throat> She-Hulk reportedly bumped back on Marvel's Disney Plus schedule. And it goes on to say here, a new report claims Marvel Studios and Disney Plus's She-Hulk series has been pushed back on the schedule and may not arrive until 2023. Marvel Studios' She-Hulk may hit Disney Plus later than expected. A leaker on Reddit with a proven track record in regards to WandaVision suggested She-Hulk may arrive in very late 2022 or early 2023. As various VFX houses hustle to complete post-production, uh, this information lines up with a report from March about our, wait, lines up with a report from March, yeah, about She-Hulk facing some behind-the-scenes difficulties. Um, and this is from the Reddit user here, um, Marvel Studios spoilers. She-Hulk pushed to late 2022. Hello, just to tell you all, She-Hulk will be released in late 2022, November to December, or maybe even January 2023. Lots of spoilers will start to leak soon as a consequence of VFX scenes sent to multiple people around the world to speed up post-production. Please don't ask me anything about the plot. Regards. Announced in August 2019, She-Hulk is a 10-episode, half-hour legal comedy centering on Jennifer Walters, the cousin of Bruce Banner who receives a blood transfusion that transforms her from an ordinary lawyer to an extraordinary superhero. The show stars Tatiana Maslany in the uh, titular role, with Mark Ruffalo reprising his role as Bruce Banner slash the Hulk, and Tim Roth reprising his role as Emil Blonsky slash Abomination. Um, <clears throat> I'm very excited for the show. I think Tatiana Maslany is a fantastic actress. I'm also excited to see the Hulk slash Mark Ruffalo show up again. Uh, and then, yeah, Emil Blonsky as well, coming back after, excuse me, hiccups. Coming back after we saw him in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings fighting Wong. Um, I'm very excited for this show. I'm sure a lot of people maybe aren't anticipating too much. I guess I'm not like... Super stoked for it, but I'm still excited to check it out. It has promise, but I'm going to try to avoid the spoilers as much as I can, but I don't know how... Uh, it, it's still Marvel, so there's still going to be big things that happen, but I don't know how impactful this show is going to be. We'll see. We shall see, but what do you think about She-Hulk being pushed back, or most likely being pushed back? Are you upset about it, or do you not really care? Uh, let me know down in the comments below, but on to the next piece of news. And last piece of news here comes from Screen Crush, and their headline is, Doctor Strange 2 receives official rating for intense sequences. And they go on to say here, To date, there have been 27 movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All 27 have been rated PG-13. Not one PG, not one rated R. And now Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness is coming out, and it's rated PG-13 as well. Not surprising, but hey. You know, it's being directed by Sam Raimi, who is very famously a horror director. He also directed, obviously, the first three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. But, uh, you know, the horror he's known for is, like, the Evil Dead movies, Ash vs. Evil Dead. So a lot of people are speculating that, uh, that, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Oh my god, why am I forgetting his name? Oh my gosh, this is a sin. This is a Frickin' sin. Why am I forgetting this dude's name? Bruce Campbell. There we go. Yeah, Bruce Campbell as Ash. Um, 
such a great character. And also, Bruce Campbell also showed up in uh, all three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. In the first one, he was like the the uh, wrestling announcer dude. Uh, in the second one, he was the, the uh, uh, what do you call him? Like, uh, what do you call that dude? Like, the I guess the door guy in Spider-Man 2 at uh, MJ's play or whatever that wouldn't let Peter in. And then in the third one, he was the uh, the dude at the restaurant that Peter was talking to about the ring and wanted to propose to MJ. But, uh, yeah, Bruce Campbell has, from what I know, uh, appeared in a lot of Sam Raimi's movies, aside from Evil Dead, uh, just in little small cameos. But, yeah, it's possible we might be seeing Bruce Campbell in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And it is the multiverse, so how cool would it be if we saw Ash from Ash vs. Evil Dead? That'd be fucking cool. Coming out with the fucking chainsaw hand, that'd be so sick. I don't know, but um, in one shape or another, I really hope we do get Ash in the movie. What do you think about Doctor Strange in the multiverse of being uh, multiverse of madness being PG-13? I'm sure a lot of you aren't surprised. I'm not surprised, but I need one last piece of news, so that's why I brought it up. And I also wanted to talk about Bruce Campbell, so... Yeah, there's the last piece of news. Now let's uh let's talk about Iron Fist season one. Oh wait, no, that was last week. Defenders, uh, season one. Well, technically it's a limited series, but let's talk about it. The Defenders is a 2017 Netflix TV miniseries with eight episodes, and uh, they're like 45 to 50 minutes each. Uh, last episode being 57 minutes, so didn't take me too long to get through. Uh that's the upside. I was like, at least there's not too many episodes. It's a little less for me to have to watch. And um, going into it, I had mild expectations because so far I haven't been completely blown away by any of these shows. Uh, But with this one, you know, from the first episode alone, I was like, all right, I'm excited for all these characters to come together, even though I didn't really care for Iron Fist that much. I'm excited to see everybody interact with each other. And, uh, that's definitely the best part of this uh, mini series here. Uh, it's just all the characters interacting together. Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock slash Daredevil, Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones, Mike Coulter as Luke Cage, and Finn Jones as Danny Rand slash Iron Fist. Uh, other characters in here we have Jessica Henwick com- uh, coming back as Colleen Wing uh, from the Iron Fist series. We also have Scott Glenn coming back as Stick from uh, the Daredevil seasons. Uh, Claire Temple played by Rosario Dawson, has been in pretty much, not even pretty much, she has been in every single season that I've watched so far. wonder if she'll show up in Punisher season one, because that is what's next. She doesn't have too much connection to that character, but it's possible. Uh, Eldon Henson comes back as Foggy Nelson. Y. Ching Ho comes back as uh, Madame Gao, one of the members of The Hand, which is actually like the main villain group of this season. And honestly... They've been building it up for a while, but uh, we also have Simone Missick coming back as Misty Knight from Luke Cage. Eka Darville coming back as Malcolm Ducasi from Jessica Jones. Uh, you know, we got like Deborah Ann Wool coming back as Karen Page. Rachel Taylor coming back as Trish Walker. All those kinds of characters there. Carrie Ann Moss as Jerry Hogarth. Um, a lot of returning characters, but a new character in this season is Sigourney Weaver as Alexandra Reed. She is basically the main villain and the leader of the hand. I gotta be honest, I'm not a huge 
<laughs> this kind of rhymes a little bit. I'm not a fan of the hand. Uh, doesn't really rhyme, but a little bit. I, I don't know. Just something about this, uh, this group of basically ninjas and then just like a bunch of rich corporate people. Not really interesting to me. Sigourney Weaver, I think, did a decent job. She's a great actress. One of like the greatest actresses, uh, greatest action actresses of all time, obviously being in like Alien, Aliens. Uh, she was in Avatar. She's been in a lot of really great stuff. But here, I just didn't find her villain all, villain all that captivating. Um, I don't know. She just didn't seem that interesting to me, to be honest. She's the kind of character that doesn't really do any of the dirty work and just pulls the strings. And I don't find that to be very interesting. Uh, also coming back in this season, or not season, but this limited series, is L.D. Young as Electra. And I always forget how to say her name. Nachios. I believe it's Nachios. Um... And she, mild spoiler here, is kind of a villain of this series. Um, and I like that for the most part. They did some interesting things with her a little bit, but I don't care for her character all that much. I don't think they're doing that great of a job with that character. Um, I don't know much about her, but I feel like they could be doing better. She's not all that intriguing, like... There's some, like, mind control, you know, aspects of it. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting, but I just wasn't really feeling it. Um, like I said, the best part of this series is all the characters interacting with, with each other, all the main four characters from each of the shows. I think that's definitely the best part of it. And it it's only good for so long. I feel like the first four episodes, maybe five episodes... Nah, the first four episodes were like, all right, this show is great. It's building up to be great. And after that fourth episode, it just started to decline a little bit. And I started to lose interest. And I was just like, they set up something so good. And there were so many great character interactions with all the other characters from the different seasons. And I was so excited for it. There were some pretty cool fight scenes. At the end of the day, I was just like, I wanted to like this more than I did. So I'm going to have to give this a 6.5 out of 10. I don't think it's terrible, uh, but it's definitely not the best that I've watched. Still got to say that Daredevil Season 1 is still in the number one spot. But, uh, you know, it's not as bad as Iron Fist. I'll give it that much. <laughs> Iron Fist Season 1 was terrible. I think I gave that like a 2 out of 10. Um but this, definitely not as bad. Which is kind of funny because Iron Fist, like, out of all the heroes in here, I feel like it focuses on him the most. Because dealing with the hands, like, the deal with Iron Fist is he's, like, the sworn enemy of the hand. So, like, obviously he's going to be one of the main heroes going up against them. Because, like, that's his deal. And um, I thought it worked for the most part. But I think the most, in and uh, I can't talk, most interesting character for me in here was probably... Uh, Daredevil, just the things that Matt Murdock did in this season I found to be pretty interesting. Uh, Jessica Jones, I feel like, really got swept under the rug. She did not have much to do. I feel like out of everybody, it was probably more Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Daredevil. Honestly, I'd say it was honestly more Daredevil and Iron Fist than Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, uh, which is a little disappointing because I really like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Probably Luke Cage a little bit more than Jessica Jones, but I still like them both a lot. Um, 
if I had to rank the heroes, I'd probably rank them Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and then Iron Fist. But, yeah, uh, I would like to know what you guys think of this Defenders series. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you in the middle? I, I feel like I'm in the middle, but leaning towards more, I don't like it. Uh, but 6.5 out of 10 still isn't bad. That would put it at, like, a C for me. Um, I, I think I'd put it right up there with Daredevil Season 2, which, from what I've heard, other people don't care for that season like like I did, or... I'm not saying that I cared for this season, but they agree with me. Like, they don't care for that one as much. I feel like there's just too much going on in that season. And um, with this limited series here, there's enough going on. Like, there's not too much going on, but there's also not too little going I don't know. I would say it's at the sweet spot, but at the same time, it's not. They just kind of introduce certain people. And some of them are, like, coming back from other seasons. Like, um, there's a character... Uh, from uh, Iron Fist Season 1 that's like uh, the sensei of um, of Colleen Wing. Um, and he's kind of a villain there. And then you have Madame Gao coming back. Other than that, I think the other villains are just kind of like thrown in there. But everybody's part of, hand, uh, part of the hand in this season here. And like I said before, I just don't really care for the hand that much. I don't find them to be that interesting. It's just a bunch of ninjas being told what to do by a bunch of rich, snobby, fucking corporate people. And uh, I don't know. That shit just isn't interesting to me. I'd rather have... I don't know what villain I would have preferred for this season. It definitely has to be like a group or like an army almost because you have four characters. And if you just have one villain, that's going to be too many heroes to fight one villain. So I understand why they did that, but... And I also understand why they did the hand because they were setting it up, but I just didn't really care for it that much. I almost would have preferred that they would have just dealt with the hand in Iron Fist Season 2 and uh, just left all this Defender stuff to be something else. But, you know, I still understand why they did it. The second, maybe first episode, I can't remember which one, but there's a huge event that goes on kind of a spoiler here, but there's an earthquake that happens. That scene is so fucking tense and probably the best scene of this entire series. And I don't know if it'd be the best scene of like all the Netflix shows so far, because there's been some pretty good scenes, but God damn, that scene was tense. Like I fucking love that. It just made everything feel so, so much larger than anything has ever felt before. in in terms of these shows, so that was really cool. Um, in terms of like references to the larger MCU, there's really little to none in this season here or in this series. Um, so I, I don't I don't really care to be honest. Like I don't I, I can take or leave the the references, especially since I'm like I don't want Iron Fist to be part of the MCU to be honest. Nothing against Finn Jones in my review for Iron Fist season when I was like Finn Jones at least is pretty good and does a good job with what he's given. But do not want Iron Fist to be part of the MCU, to be honest. Or if he he uh, does become part of the MCU, maybe recast him. Uh, but in my review for that, I actually said it would be interesting to have Danny Rand slash Iron Fist show up in a Shang-Chi sequel. Especially since he's always talking about his chi, so that's kind of funny. But I could see those characters, you know, having a similar... I mean, they have some similar, like, mythologies to them somewhat similar um 
So that'd be kind of interesting. Uh, what, do, what do you guys think? Do you think uh, Iron Fist would be an interesting character to bring into a Shang-Chi sequel? I think they could do it. And I think they could also bring Jessica Jones into the uh, She-Hulk series. In terms of Luke Cage, I don't know where you'd put that. Because he couldn't... I guess he could try to put that into Black Panther 2. But I feel like they're already trying to do Namor with that. So I don't know if they're going to do that. Plus, you know, I feel like it's mostly going to take place in Wakanda. So I don't think they're going to end up in New York or Harlem, to be more specific. Because that's that's where Luke Cage tends to spend most of his time. And uh, I like... I really like Luke Cage season one, and I like the fact that it takes you out of Hell's Kitchen for a little while. But yeah, with this, I can tell they were trying to set up some really cool things, and they had some really cool ideas, but it just didn't quite pan out for me. The whole Electra stuff, I really didn't care for. Sigourney Weaver, her villain, really not that intriguing. I wouldn't say it's the worst villain we've had so far, but it's not a good one. And that's really disappointing because Sigourney Weaver is an amazing actress. But yeah, like I said a million times before, the only good part of this series for me is some of the action, but mostly the interactions between the four main characters. That is what makes the show for me. And also, like I said before, that earthquake scene. If you don't feel like watching these shows, just search the Defenders earthquake scene. It's fucking tense, dude. Seriously, it was it was an amazing scene. But, um, yeah, another kind of unfortunate thing is, like, if you want to watch this show, you you kind of have to watch Iron Fist or else you're going to be a little lost. In fact, if you do want to watch this show, you have to watch all the other shows or else you'll probably be lost. Uh, that's the only downside of shows like these and, like, the Arrowverse and stuff like that. If there's certain crossovers, you're probably going to be lost because there's going to be a lot of knowledge dropped about things that happened in previous seasons and different shows, so... Yeah, if you do feel like watching these Marvel shows, you know, if you don't want to watch them in order, I completely understand. If you just want to watch a specific show, totally get it. Totally fucking get it. Uh, But definitely don't watch Iron Fist if you're doing that. But if you're a completionist the way I am, then, yeah, you kind of got to watch all that stuff. And that's a lot of content to watch. I'm pretty much halfway through watching all these shows, I believe, and I still have, like, just under 100 episodes to watch. I think I have like 88 episodes, maybe a little less, maybe like 81 or something like that. I could be wrong. Maybe 84. I can't remember. But that's a lot of hours of TV for sure. And uh, it's going to take me a while to get through it. But I think I'm going to still keep just keep on the train of watching these and probably end up reviewing season one of Punisher next week or next, maybe not next episode. Uh, We'll see. That might be a quick turnaround, but we'll see. Because I'm recording this, I'm literally recording this on Friday, uh, what's what's the date? Uh, the 8th? Yeah, I'm recording this on the 8th, so I do have some time to watch that. I'm pretty ahead in terms of these shows because I uh, only posted one episode last week. So, uh, yeah, makes it so uh, I'm... I can watch these shows and have my reviews ready for like a handful of days or so, a few days. It's kind of nice. But uh, yeah, definitely let me know what you think of The Defenders down in the comments below. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Are you in the middle? Uh, like I said before, I'm I'm in the middle, but teetering towards more not liking it. 
but 6.5 out of 10 still isn't bad. I had to give it a better score than uh, than the old Iron Fist Season 1, which, like I said, I gave that a 2 out of 10, probably, probably a D-tier uh, season for me, maybe even lower, but... Yeah, by the way, uh, if it, I if, ugh, can't talk, if I didn't say this before, after I finish all these shows, I'm going to be doing a tier list of all the various shows and the various seasons. Uh, so I'll have like an A, a tier, B tier, C tier, D tier, maybe even an E tier, uh, A being the best, obviously. And just putting the different seasons of the shows in each tier, depending on how I feel about them. So uh, yeah, definitely keep your eyes out for that. That'll probably take like, I'm not even lying, probably a month, maybe two, depending on how long it takes to get through the rest of these, because there's still a lot to watch, and I might have to take a little bit of a break to watch other things, because there's a lot coming out. But yeah, there's my review for The Defenders, the limited Netflix series, which is obviously now in Disney+, Plus after all those Netflix Marvel shows got swapped over, but... Yeah, uh, what's up next in terms of my reviews? Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is a 2022 film written and directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Sheenert. Probably saying that wrong, but they're uh, known best for Swiss Army Man. And uh, I started watching that movie and I was just like, this movie is weird and I am not down with it, so I stopped watching it. And, uh, common theme, this movie is weird. Everything, 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 everything? Everything, everywhere, all at once. That's a mouthful. Um, it's definitely a really weird movie. Um, it reminds me a bit of Rick and Morty, just a bit. And if you don't know the plot of it, it stars Michelle Yeoh, by the way, as Evelyn Wang. And it is about an aging Chinese immigrant swept up in insane in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes connecting with the lives she could have led. So basically you have a multiverse here and uh, props to them for doing it before Doctor Strange. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I mean, in a way it kind of reminds me of Loki as well. There's a lot of a lot of things that reminded me of Loki in the film, but this is way, dare I say, this is even weirder than Rick and Morty. Um, this is weirder than having a Loki alligator. This is weirder than anything I've ever seen on Rick and Morty. This is just out there. It is, uh, it's not a movie I would, I would think is for everybody, but I would say it's worth a watch. And go into it with an open mind, but also know that it's going to be a really, really, really weird movie. And most likely unlike anything you've ever seen before. Which in my case, like, I can kind of compare it to some other stuff. But for the most part, it is unlike anything I have ever watched before. It is an art house film. It comes from A24, which a lot of the A24 films are hit or miss. For me, I like a decent amount of them. Um... You know, there's a few studios out there that make kind of lower-budget films that I really enjoy, one of them being Blumhouse. I really like their horror films. Uh, and then there was one other one I was thinking of, uh, Marv, that does the uh, Kingsman films. And they've done a few other ones, I believe, that I've seen and I liked. Can't think of any at the moment, but 
yes, this is an A24 film. And uh, let me look up some other A24 films. Um, bear with me. But yeah, like I said before, this uh, this movie stars Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn Wang, which I really liked her in here. I loved her in uh, Crazy Rich Asians. She was also uh, in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I liked her in that. Uh, I even liked her in Last Christmas. Um, pretty much anything I've seen her in, I've liked. She was also in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 as Alita Orgord. Orgord? Um, can't say I remember that character, but maybe if I looked it up, I would, I would remember. Um, it looks like, oh, one sec here. It looks like there's actually a newer, newer movie made by A24 called All the Old Knives. Um, but let me see here. One moment. One moment. Uh, there's a newer one that I saw a trailer for called Men. That looks kind of interesting, but also not really something I'd be interested in. Uh, but they also made X, what I, which I've been meaning to check out, but I might have to wait until that's out on digital. Um, what else? I've heard X is a really good movie. Just haven't had the chance to see it. Uh, Lamb... Zola, which I have not watched yet, but it's on my voodoo. St. Maud, Minari, On the Rocks, The Green Knight, which I did not care for that one. Uh, First Cow, Uncut Gems, The Lighthouse, Midsummer, uh, The Farewell, which I need to watch that one, actually. Uh, Gil Perez Abraham is in that one. But let me see here. Yeah, they've made a lot of good stuff. A lot of stuff that I've actually liked. Uh, I haven't watched all their films, but the ones that I have seen, for the most part, I liked. And then, you know, there's a couple in there I didn't care for, like The Green Knight, which people just raved about. But I didn't see the hype around it, to be honest. But, yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once, I think is a very ambitious film. It's very creative, very imaginative. And just very weird all the way around, man. And uh, definitely not for kids. It's a rated R film. You see, like, dildos in here. Um, you know, things get shoved up people's butts. There's uh, there's some crazy shit, that's, that's for sure. Um, other cast members in here, we have Stephanie Sue as Joy Wang. Ki Hoi Kwan, hopefully I'm saying that right, as Waymond Wang who actually played Short Round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He was the little kid in that. He was also Data or Data in The Goonies. So yeah, it was cool to see him in this movie. I didn't recognize him at first because he hasn't really done a whole lot since those earlier films from what it looks like. I mean, he's done a few. Looks like he did a movie in 2021, but the one... Uh, the last thing he did before that was in 2002. So he kind of took a break from acting for a while there. But we also have James Hong as Gong Gong. Uh, we have Jamie Lee Curtis as Deirdre Bubirdra. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Tally Medell as Becky Sreger. Jenny Slate as Big Nose. And Harry Shum Jr. as Chad. It's pretty much the main cast there, you know. Jenny Slate and Harry Shum Jr. 
honestly, like, take away Tally, uh, Medell, Jenny Slate, and Harry Shum Jr., and uh, then you have pretty much the main cast there. Jamie Lee Curtis has a pretty big part in this film, and, you know, as she should, she's a great actress, and uh, I really liked her in this movie. She did something completely different from what she's done before, and just feels feels separate from all her other work. Uh, but for the most part, I really liked all the actors in here. I think they did a good job, and you know, the idea of having this be a multiversal film, it allows the actors to kind of play different characters in a way. Same character uh, at the end of the day, but with different backgrounds, different personalities, and different experiences. So it changes you. So you have very different different versions of, you know, the same character. And I think that's really cool. It's really imaginative, really creative. And, uh, you know, the MCU's building up to this kind of stuff. But for now, this is kind of like the first multiversal movie we've had uh, that I can think of, at least. So I think it's very bold, and I appreciate what the the directors slash writers did for this film. Um, I think there was a lot of great cinematography, a lot of really great choreography. Um, I think the CGI was pretty good. I don't know how big the budget was, but it felt like a really big budget, and it looked like a really big budget. Um, so yeah, I'll give them that much. I think they did a really good job all the way around, except for, I feel like the, just the weirdness of it, it felt a little too much at some points. Um, like there's a universe where they have really long hot dogs for fingers. And I was just like, this doesn't feel necessary. This just feels really weird. And I get it. It's supposed to be weird, but, uh, and then you have like, to charge up your powers, so you gotta, like, do really weird things that you normally wouldn't do, like, give yourself paper cuts in between each finger, it's like, oh god, ugh, I hate that, paper cuts are the worst, too, especially in between your fingers, oh, it's making me tense up and cringe right now, but, um, you know, like, eating chapstick, that was pretty gross, I'm just like, that's nasty, uh, you know, eating chewed gum on the bottom of a desk, uh, but at least he got a bagel with cream cheese in there at one point. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's really an odd movie for sure, and I don't think everybody's gonna like it. It does have a really good Rotten Tomatoes score. I think it's at like a ninety-seven, and on IMDb it's at an eight point nine out of ten. For me, I'm probably gonna put it at a six out of ten. Uh, I don't think it's a bad movie. Not gonna end up on my top ten worst, but not gonna end up on my top ten best of this year. So. Uh, it's really bold. It did a lot of interesting and imaginative, really creative things. But at times, I think it went a little overboard. At its heart, it is a movie about, you know, a family overcoming problems and, you know, having necessary conversations with each other. And, uh, yeah, I mean, being more open, being more accepting and more loving towards each other, I guess. When we first meet all the characters in the beginning of the movie, they're, they're all not quite getting along. Things aren't great for them, but it's really, this movie is about a family overcoming obstacles uh, at its heart. But, you know, at its surface, it's just 
kind of a clusterfuck of just a lot of really weird ideas, but some of them work, some of them don't. That's that's kind of how I feel about this film. For the most part, I do appreciate what they were going for with this, uh, but it's it's nothing I plan on watching again. I might at some point, and if I do and I have a different opinion about it, then maybe I'll make another, uh, maybe not a whole episode about it, but I'll kind of talk about that again. I'd be down to do that. But for now, like, I don't plan on going to see it in the theater again. It's a long-ass movie, too. It's like two hours and 19 minutes long. And I feel like they could have kind of cut that down a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, pretty solid film, I would say, for the most part. Uh, give or take some some of the more crazier elements of it where I was just like, all right, now you're just... Now you're just going too far and doing too much. Um, you know, that's how I feel at least. Have you seen uh, Have you seen Everything Everywhere All at Once? Comment down below. Tell me what you thought. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Are you in the middle kind of like I am? Um, I would say I like it more than I don't, but I'm still just kind of in the middle. Um, have you not seen it? Are you planning on seeing it? Let me know down in the comments below. Uh, after my review, I think... Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, I would just go into it thinking... Not having like super high expectations, but just expecting the weirdest movie you're probably ever going to watch. Weirdest movie you've ever watched, and quite possibly the weirdest movie you will ever watch. Because uh, it is just out there. And it kind of reminds me of Movie 43... Or is it movie 42? Uh, it's a, That movie has like a lot of really big name actors. But it just has them doing the cringiest shit ever. None of it's funny. Uh, do yourself a favor. Look up that movie. Maybe watch a couple scenes. But never sit down and watch the whole thing. Because it is a pile of shit. But uh, yeah, it kind of reminded me of that in a way. Just with the way out there bizarre things that they did with it. But they, they went above and beyond what that movie did and had a better budget to it and uh and also had an actual decent story to it rather than it just being a montage of weird things going on but um also comment down below if you watch movie 43 uh and if you have i'm very sorry that you had to witness that please for the love of god just because i mentioned it on the podcast doesn't mean you guys need to go watch it please don't <laughs> Like, please. And honestly, comment down below if you think I should watch that movie and and review it for the podcast, because I totally will. And honestly, I probably won't even wait for people to comment that, and I'll probably just end up doing it at some point. But, oh, God. I almost don't want to put myself through the pain of that movie again. But, yeah, there's my review for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Like I said before, comment down below if you've seen it and tell me what you think. And if you haven't seen it, comment down below and tell me if you're going to check it out in the theaters. For the most part, like, if you're wondering if you should go see this in the movie theater uh, and you want to go see it, but you're like, eh, I don't really want to go to the theater, save your time, save your money, wait for it to come out on digital. I don't think you have to see it on the big screen. But if you really want to, definitely go do it. So, uh, yeah, let's switch over to my last review of the day, Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore.
All right, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. This is obviously a 2022 film, the latest Fantastic Beasts movie. And I gotta be honest, Fantastic Beasts, The Crime of Grindelwald from 2018, did not care for that movie all too much. But the uh, first Fantastic Beasts, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them from 2016, I thought was a pretty decent movie. doesn't surpass any of the Harry Potter movies, but for the most part, I like it. Um, and I will say they haven't been going completely downhill. It went downhill with the second one, but with this one, it went slightly uphill a little bit. Um, yeah, this movie is just ever so slightly better than Crimes of Grindelwald, but not by much. Uh, the best part of this film for me, and the best part of all three of these films, is Dan Fogler as Jacob Kowalski. He's kind of the comic relief slash heart of the films, for me at least. You know, you'd think it'd be Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander. And in a way, it kind of is, but, you know, his whole deal is like he's a magician, or not a magician. He's like a wizard slash zoologist. And uh, when you're fighting Grindelwald, it doesn't seem like that's a very... I don't know, it doesn't seem like his expertise is, like, what's going to help the fight, but inevitably it kind of does, I guess. Um, before I say anything else about this movie, I'm already going to say I'm going to give this a 5 out of 10. Not as bad as uh, as Crimes of Grindelwald, but not as good as Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and uh, definitely nowhere near as good as any of the Harry Potter films that came before these. Um, that's kind of the case for all three of these films. They're they're not going to surpass the original Harry Potter movies. Um, also an issue with having this be a prequel series, there are certain elements to it where you're just like, the stakes don't feel very high because you know these certain characters survive, like Dumbledore, obviously. The big thing of this movie is that Grindelwald wants to take Credence, played, uh, played by Ezra Miller, and have him go kill Dumbledore. And... Uh, Obviously, that's not going to fucking happen because then we wouldn't have the Harry Potter movies. And, uh, yeah, they're not going to pull like a, a Tarantino and completely change history just uh, just for these movies. So it, the stakes didn't feel very high and uh, felt a little anticlimactic. They did set it up for another sequel if they did want to do it and if this one makes enough money. But they also left it at a place where it's like, if we're not going to make another one of these, then you can kind of fill in the blanks just by, like, reading the books or watching the Harry Potter movies. Because they do allude to some of this history in the Harry Potter movies, and I'm assuming in the books. So if you want to know more and they don't have any more movies after this, then definitely go check that out. The weird thing about Fantastic Beasts is that it's based on basically a handbook about magical creatures, written by J.K. Rowling, of course, or at least I believe so. And it's just a handbook of different magical creatures in the wizarding world. And, um, you know, from that alone, they made three movies out of it. And uh, it's kind of funny because, like, none of this Grindelwald shit or Dumbledore shit is in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the book, as far as I know. Um, it's quite literally about Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So, uh, you know, some Harry Potter fans might complain a little bit, but... They're just kind of filling in the blanks of what the Harry Potter movies and some of the books didn't quite do with the Grindelwald character. Because Grindelwald really did make way for Voldemort. If we didn't have Grindelwald and the things that he was trying to do, I don't think we would have had Voldemort, to be honest. Could be wrong. I'm a little, uh, a little rusty on my Harry Potter 
mythology and knowledge, but uh, I used to be a Potterhead, a huge Potterhead. I still like Harry Potter, but I'm not as obsessed with it. Same goes for like Star Wars. I used to really like both franchises when I was a kid, but as time went on, I'm like, there's other more exciting things like Marvel and kind of DC um, that have taken my interests elsewhere. But I still like watching the Harry Potter movies and revisiting them. And, you know, I'm a movie reviewer, so I'll see whatever's new for the most part. Yeah, um, who else do we have in here? Obviously, Eddie Redmayne coming back as Newt's commander. Jude Law coming back as Albus Dumbledore. Ezra Miller coming back as Credence, which I really did not care for his character in all three of these movies. He felt one-dimensional, and yeah, they just didn't give him a great deal to do. I feel like they gave him the most to do in the first movie, and then after that, it just kind of went downhill for me. Um, we also have, obviously, Mads Mikkelsen coming in as Gilbert Grindelwald replacing Johnny Depp. If you think about it, I mean, Colin Farrell in the first movie technically played Grindelwald, but technically also he was a separate character in a way. It was just Grindelwald in disguise. Spoiler alert, by the way. But technically, in a way, we've had three different actors for Grindelwald now. And um, it just, for me personally, doesn't let me connect to the character enough when their appearance keeps changing. The first time, I'm like, okay, that's fine. He was in disguise. But now, obviously, with the whole controversy with Johnny Depp and his wife, Amber Heard, they uh, they fired him from this role. And, uh, you know, I can give or take it at this point. I think I would have liked to see what Johnny Depp would have done with this film and with the character going forward. But Mads Mikkelsen, I thought, was a decent casting choice. Uh, I just didn't, didn't find uh, Grindelwald to be that... Maybe not that threatening, but I don't know. He just didn't seem like that great of a villain, to be honest. Um, I really didn't care for him. But uh, who else do we have in here? Uh, we have Allison Sudol, hopefully I'm saying that right, as Queenie Goldstein. Callum Turner as um, Theseus, hopefully I'm saying that right, Scamander, um, Newt's brother, which he had some good scenes in here. I liked him for the most part. Uh, Richard Coyle as Aberforth the brother of Albus Dumbledore. We also have Jessica Williams as Lally Hicks. And uh, who else here? I'm looking on IMDb, so oftentimes there's quite a few characters that I end up missing because IMDb isn't always the best about putting all their shit out there. But if I didn't say this before, this film is directed by David Yates, who directed the first two Fantastic Beasts as well as Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2, uh, Half-Blood Prince, and Order of the Phoenix. So it is not his first time in the wizarding world of Harry Potter making films, you know, with this mythology. So he has an understanding of the source material, but at the same time, I, I mean, I really don't understand why, uh, why these movies aren't better than they are. But yeah, there you go. Uh, and then Catherine Watterson as Tina Goldstein. I have to say, this is a bit of a spoiler. Mild spoilers. I'm not going to do like a dedicated spoiler section for this movie. But um, she's barely fucking in this movie. She's like a really important character in the first one. I don't really remember too much of the second one. I just remember I don't like it and I haven't rewatched it. Um, I don't remember too much of what she did in that movie. But here it was just like, oh no, she's busy. I'm like, she's fucking busy? Like shit, dude. <laughs> How fucking busy is she where she can't help with this, like, life-slash-world-changing event? Like, 
she should be here, but I don't know if it was just a scheduling issue or if it was just the way it was written where it's like, we don't really need this character, but it felt like a cop out. And, uh, I mean, she showed up, but she barely had anything to do. So that was a little disappointing. And by the time she actually showed up, smiles, pretty decent spoiler here. She shows up like pretty much at the end of the movie. And I'm just like, now you show up. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I think we even get like to see the back of her head at a few different points, just her reacting to stuff. But obviously you don't see her face because it's like from the back of her. And so it's like, is that supposed to be Tina? And then they show her face a couple times. I'm like, I guess that's supposed to be Tina. Whatever, man. They they didn't do shit with her. Um, so yeah, but I didn't say it already. Five out of ten for this movie. And that's be, me being nice to it. There's a few elements of it that I like. But when it comes to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, like those movies, for the most part, until they started to get a little bit darker, it was full of so much magic and wonder. And, uh, you know, you have the spells and stuff like that. And for the most part, like, they use the spells. Like, not not in this movie, jeez. I mean, they use spells, but they don't, like, say the spells, you know? They just kind of point their wand and shoot. They're like, they're like magical guns, essentially. <laughs> and uh, there's even a scene in here where Dumbledore is describing, like, basically a standoff with wands. And it's like, I pulled my wand and he pulled his wand. And I'm like, this literally sounds like, oh, I'm pulling my gun out, like. Yeah, I don't know. This uh, this movie's pretty forgettable. I have a feeling by tomorrow I'm gonna figure uh forget most of it. But hey, at least Jacob Kowalski was still good in the movie. I would really like to see Dan Fogler as like a live action uh live action penguin. I think he would be really good as that character. But for me, he's the heart of the film. Newt's commander's technically supposed to be the heart, but. I don't know. I don't feel a whole lot for his character, to be honest. I like the actor, Eddie Redmayne. I think he's pretty good, but eh. And then uh, Jude Law is Albus Dumbledore. I think is good for the most part. Um, they do allude to, and if you don't know anything about this, J.K. Rowling has come out and said like, oh yeah, uh, Dumbledore's gay. There's, there's some of that in this movie. Um, it's not too heavy handed for those of you who are homophobic, which by the way, if you are, fuck you. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's a it's a movie. It's pretty mediocre, to be honest. I wasn't expecting much out of it, and I didn't get much out of it. Uh, I don't know if I said this already, but they did leave it open for a sequel if they wanted to. But they also wrapped it up in a way where it's like, if we don't get a sequel, then at least people can kind of just, like, try to put the pieces together by reading the Harry Potter books and watching the movies. Because there's thing that, things that they allude to with Gilbert Grindelwald, but, you know, they never fully told the story about it. At least in the movies. I haven't read all the books, but I've read up to, like, Goblet of Fire. But yeah, did you see Fantastic Beasts? The Secrets of Dumbledore. What did you think? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Are you in the middle? I'm more towards, uh, I wouldn't say hate. Hate's a strong word, but I don't like it. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to remember it remember much of this movie by tomorrow it's it's pretty forgettable pretty mediocre um but if you like it more power to you i just don't think i i think most of the characters in here just don't get a whole lot to like they get stuff to do but like i feel like the main character newt uh, commander never really fully gets his time to shine like he has this you know some dramatic moments some moments where you're just like oh um 
and then like funny moments as well. There's the moment in here where there's like some scorpion creature and he has to do this like kind of crab walk almost. And it's really funny, but that's pretty much like for me, that's the only real thing that I feel like I, I took away from his character from this is just, he's kind of kooky, kind of fun. He likes creatures and, uh, somehow he's going to be one of the people that helps save the wizarding world slash the muggle world. I don't know. doesn't seem too plausible, but oh, oh well. And also, I don't think he ever finished school. He never finished Hogwarts, from what I know about the character. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaking him with Hagrid, but I think I'm thinking correctly. Um, and if you're wondering if there's any cameos or anything like that from bigger characters from Harry Potter, there is one, but I will not say who it is. You know what, screw it, I'll say it's McGonagall, but they really don't give her shit to do. She's just kind of like a passing character. Um, so if I spoiled shit for you and you're upset, sorry, I guess, but like, I don't know. It's not a great movie. Don't waste your time unless you really want to. More power to you if you're a diehard Potter fan and watch everything and read everything and play everything, whatever there is to do that's Harry Potter related. More power to you, but for me, I'm not just going to blindly love this because it's Harry Potter. I'm, I'm not... But it is better than the last one, not as good as the first one, and none of them are as good as the Harry Potter series, you know, so not too surprising there. But yeah, like I said before, comment down below, have you seen the movie, what do you think? Let me know down below uh, whether you hated it, loved it, in the middle, or if you haven't seen it, do you plan to watch it? Sorry if I spoiled some shit for you, but uh, nothing too huge there, to be honest, to be honest. Um, but yeah, like I said, they left it open enough for a sequel. I hope they don't make one because I really don't want to watch it. But if they do it, they do it. We shall see what the future holds. They were planning five at one point. So they're, if they're still doing that, there's two more movies left. And honestly, I don't want that. So yeah, there's my review for Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. And that is all I have for the episode today. I hope you guys enjoyed I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Culture Podcast. The link in the bio of my Instagram will take you to my website, Made Through Wix, where you can find where to watch this on YouTube, where to listen on all major podcast platforms. And there is also a link to my T Public store, where I have three designs available now. I have a regular Pop Culture, uh, pop culture Podcast logo tee. I have kind of like a trippy retro design of the Pop Culture Podcast logo. And most recently, I added a Doctor Strange-inspired shirt where it has like the portal and the cape and all that. But, you know, the face is actually supposed to be kind of a little bit my face. It's like a blank face, but with blonde hair. So it's kind of supposed to be me. It says Pop Culture Podcast, established 2020. So uh, go check out those designs there. Some very cool merch items there. There's t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, uh, hoodies, baby clothes, tote bags, uh, tapestries, notebooks, phone cases, stickers, magnets, all kinds of stuff, man. Even mugs, like so many things on there you can get. So if you pick something up from my tea public store, I would really appreciate it. It supports me and it supports the podcast. And like I said, that is the link in the bio of my Instagram. That'll take you to my website on that Instagram handle, once again, is at Pop Culture Podcast. Same goes for my Facebook page. I post more on Instagram than Facebook, so whichever one you want really, but 
yeah, that's all I got for you guys. I will see you next week on Tuesday, most likely. I think I'll be doing a Fantastic Beast slash Harry Potter ranking. And then um, also might be reviewing season one of The Punisher if I can get it done in time. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. I will see you in the next one. <laughs>